you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please to the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter of the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus. We're going to read verse 1 tonight. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series, and we're looking at life's hurts. If you live long enough in this world, you are going to get hurt. You're going to be hurt physically, for sure. But the worst hurts that you'll receive in this life and in this journey of faith are those hurts that affect us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They leave gapping holes that sometimes cannot be filled. Tonight we're looking at another hole that some of you might have tonight. A gaping hole that is oozing and bleeding. And God tonight wants to bring healing to it. Hope when you are slandered. Hope when you are slandered. Chapter 23, verse 1 from the book of Exodus. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not raise a false report against anyone. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness against another. Hope when slandered. Now slander is a crime in many places, but it's always a sin. Slander sometimes is a crime, but it's always a sin. What is slander? It's saying something about someone that is untrue or is evil. It's saying something about someone that is untrue or and or, it's just downright evil. Slander has been widely referred to as a tongue murder because it destroys someone's character and reputation, just like a knife or a bullet can destroy someone's physical being. So that brings me to a question. Have you ever been slandered? Has somebody ever said something about you that was just flat out untrue? And they knew it. Has somebody ever said something about you that was just evil and wicked? It served no purpose other than to hurt you. Has that ever happened to you? If it happens, you know it. And if it hasn't happened, you it's going to happen. If you've been slandered, may I say to you, you're in good company. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ was slandered? The religious leaders of all people slandered our Lord continually. They said he was a glutton. That's what they said. They said he was a wine-bibber. They even called him the devil himself. They actually said that. Not the pagans. Not the bootleggers. 
not the prostitutes, not the drug dealers, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, those crooked, corrupt Pharisees and Sadducees, said of our Lord that he was a glutton, a wine-bibber, and the devil himself. They lied about him at every turn. They crucified him with their tongues long before they ever crucified him on the cross at Calvary. The Lord was slandered. And you and I are going to be slandered if we live in this world. The question is, how should we respond to slander? What can we do tonight to close the hole that that slander has made in our mind and our heart and our spirit? What can we do to bring healing to what people say about us that's not true or what people say about us that's evil? I'd like to help you with that tonight by giving you five things that you and I can do when we're slandered. Number one, our response to slander should be graceful. When someone says something untrue about us, when someone says something evil about us, our response back to them or back to others who tell us what they've said should be one of being graceful. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11-12, David was told about Shemai. Shemai was a slanderer and a critic of David in his day. He was a thorn in the flesh of David, you might say. Constantly talking about him, criticizing him, complaining about him, condemning him, saying things were downright untrue and wicked. And I'm sure David in the flesh wanted to slap him silly. But David didn't do that. David said something that's interesting in 2 Samuel 16, verses 11 and 12. He said, It may be that the Lord will bless me for the good, for all of his cursing against me this day. Maybe God will bless me for the good because of what Shemai is saying about me today that is cursing. You see, folks, when somebody says something about us, the temptation is to want to fight back. But when we fight back, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get even, aren't we? When you fight back, you're trying to get even. You're trying to to give a, a tit for attack. What happens when you got somebody that's low and you're going to try to get even with them? What do you got to do? You got to go down to their level. Don't you allow that to happen. Don't allow yourself to fight back against people who say things that are untrue or evil about you. Because in doing so, you're just bringing yourself down to their level, which is already low anyway. Don't do that. It's been wisely said, how we respond to others' hurts against us 
reveals whether we are gold-plated Christians or we're solid gold Christians. Are you the real deal or are you just a counterfeit? Much of what we are in Christ is revealed when we are wounded and how we respond to that wound. David learned, I hope you and I will learn, that when somebody says something about us that's untrue or evil, we're not to fight back, whether it be verbal or physical. Let us be gracious. Let us be graceful. Let us say nothing. Let's trust God to show His grace and mercy to us as we show our grace and mercy to those who talk about us. Secondly, somebody has said something about you. Yes, you. I know it's hard to believe, but they said something about you. It was untrue. It was wicked. It was wrong. It's a lie. What are you supposed to do? Well, first of all, respond back with gracefulness. Secondly, pray for the one who says it about you. Pray for them. That's not what the world says, does it? The world says, curse them out. But we're not of this world, are we? We're twice-born people in a once-born world. We're not supposed to act like them. We live around them. We live sometimes with them, but we're not to be like them. We're to be lights in a world of darkness. We're to be salt in a world of decay. So our response should be different than their response would be. Instead of fighting back, we're to be graceful. And instead of arguing or cursing with them, we pray for them. In Matthew 5, verse 44, Jesus said, Pray for them that continually slander you and persecute you. That's what Jesus said. He said, Pastor, I don't like that information. Well, take it up with Jesus. He's the one who said it. I'm just a Western Union boy. I'm bringing the message. Don't shoot me. It was Jesus who said, when people continually slander you or persecute you, he said, pray for them. Why did he say pray for them? Because it's through prayer that we are strengthened to carry on God's work. It's through prayer that we are strengthened to carry on with our lives. Let's not let some hee-hawing donkey cause us to stop living or stop ministering. Many people, when they get wounded, they just give up on life and they give up on their, on their faith. They give up on the ministry that God's given them. Don't let that happen to you. You pray for yourself that God will give you strength. To carry on your life. Carry on your ministry. But also in prayer, ask God to protect your character. Ask God to silence your critics. God can do that much better than we can. You see, when we try to deal with critics and accusers and slanderers, we throw hand grenades. And hand grenades do eliminate threats, but they also eliminate a lot more. You see, if I had a critic sitting out here and I threw a hand grenade out there, I'd get the critic. I'd also wipe out about the rest of you. 
There's a lot of collateral damage when we try to do things in the flesh. But when we give it to God in prayer and say, God, you protect my character. And God, you shut the mouth of these critics who are saying things that are untrue or evil about me. God is the ultimate sniper. <laughs> he picks them off and there is no collateral damage. He just takes care of it. We're to pray for those that accuse us. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, prayer works. Amen? It works. You don't have to get your hands dirty trying to deal with people. I try to teach my staff, stay high on the mountain and keep your hands clean. Just let God take care of things. He does a much better job than we do. And there's no collateral damage. He strengthens us. He protects us. And he takes care of those that he needs to take care of. We pray for our accusers. We respond back to them or back to others who tell us what they say about us with gracefulness. Thirdly, and many of these are crossing over, as you can see, they're very close to each other. Thirdly, we let God be our defender. We let God be our defender. We try to defend ourselves sometimes. We try to explain what this, or we try to debate that. You don't need to do that. Silence is a golden, ladies and gentlemen. As I said this morning, and I hope I didn't ruffle your feathers, but if I did, they needed to be ruffled. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. We need to be quiet and be still and let God work. And when it comes to dealing with people who slander us, sometimes that's good policy too. Let God be our defender. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Psalm chapter 7 for just a moment. David was being criticized. He was being slandered. Evil things were being said about him. And in Psalm chapter 7, David gives us an insight into why he was a man after God's own heart. David made mistakes and David wasn't perfect, but I'm telling you, when it counted, David showed the character and the virtues of the Lord himself so many times. In Psalm chapter 7, David is responding to people who have slandered him or accused him or criticized him unjustly, unfairly, even wickedly. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 1 and 2 of Psalm chapter 7. He says, O Lord my God, in you do I put my trust. Save me from them that persecute me and slander me. Deliver me from them. Lest they tear my soul like a lion, rendering it in pieces while there is none to deliver me. In the beginning of Psalm chapter 7, David acknowledges to God that he has been wrongly persecuted, wrongly slandered by accusers. And he tells God it hurts. He describes it to a wild beast biting you and tearing your skin off. Those of you who have ever been hurt by somebody's accusations or slanders, I think you would testify that you'd rather they stabbed you with a knife. Because knife wounds heal. 
but words that are said critically or, or slanderously or wickedly about you. They open up huge wounds and sometimes they never heal. And David's acknowledging that to God. He says, God, I've got a huge wound that comes from those who have said things about me that are slanderous. They're persecuting me. Notice in verse 6, he asked God to intervene. I'm sure David said, I'd like to take matters into my own hands. I'm sure David said, I could send my secret service. I could send my soldiers after them. But no, he, he, notice he asked God to do it. He says, Arise, O Lord, in verse 6. In your anger, lift up yourself because of the rage of my enemies. Awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. God's asking, David is asking God to step into this situation. God, I've been accused wrongly, I've been wounded. I'm bleeding mentally, emotionally, spiritually. If you don't plug this gap that's in me, Lord, if you don't stop what's being said, I'm going to bleed out and die. Lord, do something. Verse 9 and 10. He specifically asked God to stop the slander and protect the truth. He says in verse 9, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and the reins. My, dis my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Are you seeing how God needs to be brought into these things? Some people, time people say, Pastor, what's the secret to the victorious Christian life? It's letting God do things, and we get out of the way. God doesn't need our help. In fact, we're a hindrance to him most of the time. I told someone this morning, God's greatest problem in solving my problems is me. He's got to get me out of the way, and then he can do a great work. David says, I'm hurting, I've been persecuted, I've been criticized, I've been, I've been slandered unjustly. I'm hurting, Lord, I'm wounded, Lord, I'm hemorrhaging, Lord. Lord, would you come and do something? Would you come and defend me? Would you come and heal me? Would you come and take care of those that are causing all of this? And then the question would be, well, did God do anything? <laughs> Look at verse 17. David shows his Pentecostal roots. He says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Why is David giving songs of praise to God? Because God heard his prayer and did what? Answered it. God healed the wound. God restored David's integrity in the eyes of people that had heard differently. God silenced his critics, shut the mouth of the slanderers. And David says, Lord, thank you. I could stay on the high ground. I could keep my hands clean. I didn't have to get involved at all. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. When we leave everything to God, God will most always eliminate the problem. 
give us peace and stability in the problem and protect our testimony. If we try to get involved, none of that usually happens. Fourthly, what do we do when we're slandered? We respond gracefully to the accuser or to those who come and bear the report to us. We pray for those that accuse us. We pray for them. Then we let God be our defender. We bring God into the situation and let God handle it. Fourthly, we carry on with our life and our ministry. We carry on with our life and our ministry. Remember I told you earlier that many times when we get wounded mentally or emotionally or spiritually, we just want to quit. We just want to give up. We just want to walk away. Not just on ministry, but many times on life. We die long before we ever die. Well, if, if we're accused or we're slandered, listen, don't you let some hee-hawing donkey, as I said early, take you away from what God's called you to be and to have and to do. Don't you give up ministry and don't you give up on life. You carry on. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, listen to what Peter says. And he was slandered. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshy lust which war against our soul. Having your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles or the pagans, that whereas they speak against you as evil, that may by your good works they shall see the glory of God in your day of visitation. Verse 15, so the will of God is that by doing well doing, by, by doing well, we might put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know how you silence a critic? You know how you silence an accuser? Do you know how you silence a slanderer? By carrying on the wife and the work that God's given you. And as people see you carry on with your life, carry on with your ministry, what they begin to see is the fact that what was said about you is not right. Satan loves to get us to give up, to tap out. Satan is a slanderer, and he raises up people to be slanderers just like him that he might discourage us, detour us, delay us, defeat us, deny us our life and our ministry. How many Sunday school teachers have given up because somebody said something about them that wasn't true? How many preachers have left the pulpit because somebody said something about them that wasn't true? How many of you have stopped ministering because what somebody said about you that wasn't true? How many comrades of ours have quit life? They used to be active in ministry. They used to be active in life. And now they just sit on the sidelines and moan and groan. Don't you become a double casualty. If somebody says something about you. Don't let it stop you from living. Don't let it stop you from ministry. That's what Satan wants you to do. 
Just keep doing well. Keep on bringing glory to God. Do you know the slanderers told Moses he was no good? They said untrue things and evil things about him. You know what they wanted Moses to do? Turn back and go to Egypt. Aren't you glad he, he didn't do that? You know what they told Nehemiah, the slanders? Why don't you just give up and go home? Aren't you glad he didn't because he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem? You know what the slander said about David? David, why don't you just give up the throne and go back to being a shepherd boy? Aren't you glad David didn't listen? He said, one day I'm going to be the king and I'm going to be the king. And he was. The slanders didn't want Paul to preach the gospel. They did everything they could to accuse him. Yet he kept on preaching. The slanders wanted Job to die. And yet Job didn't do it. They all pressed on. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to press on. And then lastly tonight. I hope this is helpful to you. If you've got a big wound in you. From what somebody has said about you that's untrue or evil. I want you to hear this and I close. The truth will be vindicated in the end. The truth will come out in the end. And you will be vindicated and validated. You know a lie is fast. Somebody wisely said, a lie can be halfway around the world before truth puts on its britches. You don't believe me? Let somebody say a lie about you. And I promise you, 20 minutes after you hear about it, it'll be all over Somerville. Lies travel fast. But lies don't have any endurance. They're like a sprinter. They're fast out of the blocks, but they tire out quickly. Truth plods on like the turtle. It just keeps moving forward. And you know the story of the, tur the tortoise and the hare, right? Well, the hare was a lie. Tortoise is the truth. And while the lie is sleeping, wore out, the truth just keeps plodding on. And eventually, the truth will show up the lie. You understand that? Eventually, in time, the truth will come out. You will be vindicated. You will be validated. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, said, if a critic blows out your reputation with his lies... One day, God will relight the candle. Dwight L. Moody, one of the great evangelists, said this. He said, on resurrection day, God is not only going to resurrect our bodies, he's going to resurrect our reputations. I'm telling you, the truth is going to be known one day. God will make sure of that. So if you have been wounded by slander, respond gracefully. Pray for your accusers. Let God be your defender. Carry on with your life and ministry and don't you give up. And understand that in the end, 
the truth will be known. And if you're innocent, that innocence will be declared. Now, I want to pause and say one more thing before I dismiss you. Because there's two kind of people in the house maybe tonight. There's those who have been wounded by someone's untruths or evil words. I think that would be most of us if there be wounded people here. But in order to have wounded people who have been hurt by things that were said about them that are untrue or evil, you have to have people who say that stuff. And if you're here tonight and you have a bad habit of engaging your mouth without engaging your mind, and you say things about people that are untrue or evil, I'm asking you today in the name of Jesus to stop it. What you're, what you're doing is destructive and it's deadly. It's an act of treacherous terrorism against the body of Christ. We're appalled when terrorists do physical damage to a church, just like we saw in Texas. What a tragedy. May I say those kind of tragedies go on every Sunday in many churches, but it's not physical, it's verbal. Where people who call themselves Christians have to say something negative or critical or slanderous about somebody in the body of Christ. It's untrue, it's wicked, it doesn't need to be said, but it's said. And I want you to know God does not Look lightly upon people that brings that into his church. In fact, in Proverbs 19, the writer of Proverbs said there's seven sins that God detests. In fact, the word is hates. And do you know one of them is bearing false witness against another? So I'm asking you if you have a tendency to do that or you have done that, I'm asking you to stop it. Because what you're doing is destructive and deadly, and one day you're going to pay a price for what you've done. I close with a true story about a young couple who was greatly destroyed by a critic, a slanderous critic. This husband and wife had a wonderful marriage, a happy marriage, a happy home. They and their two children could be a model for what God would want a marriage and a family to be. Well, a busybody in their community went around telling everybody that the husband was cheating on his wife, that he was seeing another woman. And the word got back to his wife what she was saying. Now, none of it was true. The busybody didn't have anything else to do but make up stuff. And so she made up the fact that this man was seeing another woman, that he was having an adulterous affair, that he's going to leave his wife. It's just a matter of time before he drops it on her. And she told everybody in the community, and eventually the word got back to the wife. And she was devastated. She thought she had a happy marriage. She thought they had a happy home. She thought this is what heaven on earth was. It was. 
And to hear this kind of news, it just shocked her. It stunned her. It discouraged her. It depressed her. She didn't know how to handle it. Several days went by, and she finally decided to do something. The husband came home from work. Normally, he was greeted at the door by his wife. Normally, he would smell the aroma of dinner as she was preparing it. Normally, his two children would run and grab his legs and hug him. But on this particular day, his wife was not there. There was no aroma coming from the kitchen because nothing was being cooked. There was no hugs from the children because the children were not at the door. He called for them and no answer. He looked to see if there was a note, but there was no note. The car was still there. He went to a bedroom. And there hanging was his wife and his two children, dead by an act of suicide. You see, our tongues, God has given us a tongue and he expects us to be responsible with it. We need to be very careful what we say about others, particularly if it's untrue. Are evil. And quite frankly, even if it is true, why does it need to be said? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.